across the aisle Yeah, they're coming to an understanding Even if it takes a while She's liberal, he's conservative But they're best friends You're known out for your While I was in Las Vegas, I taught at UNLV, a That's business awesome. law class. No, I love that. And also, too, Roberta, uh, like myself, I don't think I've mentioned it on here before, but I'm a singer, as is she, which we have bonded over. She also, if you can, haven't seen her, she's in phenomenal shape, which can be accredited, I'm sure, to a great diet and also teaching Zumba and sculpt classes. If you have never taken a sculpt class, it is insanely hard. You're doing tiny pulsating movements. Your body is shaking. Great workout. Highly recommend it. But Please, you know, tell us more about you. Tell us kind of uh, how you decided to come to the decision to want to run for this position and just, um, but maybe start initially about kind of where are you from? How did you grow up? Are you from Sandy? Like just everything about yourself that you feel, you know, you can share. Absolutely. Well, I am the youngest of five children. Wow. I grew up in Michigan in metropolitan Detroit area. I was born in Pontiac, um, went to Southfield High School and um, Michigan State University. My parents, um, my mom was a nurse. My dad worked for the county in public health. Um, at that time, um, you know, my mom's entire salary went to putting all five of us through college. Wow. Uh, we were not affluent, but we didn't know it because <laughs> um, we were uh, rich in character, that's oh, for sure. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a lot of music and joy in my household, and so I feel really blessed to have come from a very solid family. Um, but I wanted to thaw out, and so um, 
when I applied to law school, I only applied to schools where I was willing to live, and all of those were in warm places. <laughs> Don't blame you. Nah, Michigan right. is extremely cold. <laughs> extremely cold. Bitterly cold. Yeah. So uh, when I got into the University of San Diego, I had never been here, didn't take a trip like kids do now. I just yep. came. The, the I, college trip my dad took with me when I was 13, which is insane, but continue. <laughs> But I figured it's a vacation destination, right? Right? How bad could it be? Oh, it's not. It's a beautiful campus, I'm sure, right. as you know. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, ma'am. So I moved out here in 1983. Um, and save for the one year when I had a judicial clerkship, I've lived in San Diego County. So um, I went to law school from 83 to 86, graduated, uh, moved to Las Vegas for my clerkship. I actually took the bar exam there as well. Oh, that's awesome. So I am licensed in Nevada and California. Uh, moved after my clerkship, I moved back to San Diego and started my practice. And um, I've always been practicing on the civil side of the law. Um, and and as you indicated, it's it was varied in terms yeah. of the kind of work that I've done. So it just got more increasingly sophisticated over time. And it's been um, a terrific experience to get really good at something, and then be challenged to do something new. Yeah, 100% keeps your brain sharp. You it know? sure does. Keeps you learning. And that must, I mean, there are 10 plus areas of the law that I have had to learn and master in order to do my job. You're a renaissance woman. So, <laughs> so it's been um, it's been very satisfying career. And, and honestly, the law has been great. It allowed me to raise uh, my children. Um, I have three children. Um, They're all very good looking, might I add. Thank <laughs> you, you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I think so too, but I know I'm biased. Um, and they're all doing wonderful things. So I'm, I'm pleased and proud at the way everything Aww. worked out there. And um, after I stopped litigating, I didn't really totally stop, but I kind of shifted my practice um, into... Um, insurance coverage and up with a particular specialty in um, addressing insurance fraud. So my focus is in property fraud. So if, uh, if one of my clients suspects that a claim doesn't look quite right, okay. uh, that claim is forwarded to me um, to review and I speak to people under oath to oh, wow. uh, dig into the facts uh, a bit more to see if it's um, truly suspect or just a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, so I've gotten quite good at judging people's credibility. For sure. I mean, you have to read people, you know, was the barn fire an accident or was it because you needed the money to pay off gambling debt? Yes. You know? <laughs> that, that would be one of those questions. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've gotten good at that. And, um, and then after I get all the information, I look at the law, I look at the insurance policy, I put it all together, and I author an opinion to my client, um, typically in writing, uh, as to whether they should pay or not. So I've been judging a lot more yeah. than advocating for the past well, almost two decades. And it's um, the litigation comes and goes in that, but yeah. primarily I've been doing that kind of work. So it's really honed my ability to not prejudge. Yeah. Um, because I have I've seen claims where it looks terrible on the on the face of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean terrible, but but sometimes if if you allow yourself to mm -hmm. be open and you set aside implicit bias yeah. and explicit bias yeah. and you put it in a box <laughs> with a lid on it yeah um 
and you actually listen to people and ask questions that will allow you to receive the information that you need, um, it turns around. And, and honestly, those are some of the most satisfying claims that I have is when it's actually different than it looked. Oh, I love that. Me no, too. I mean, it sounds like you, and I know you also spoke that you have a little bit of background kind of working as a therapist. Is that not, right? Not a therapist, but in counseling. So at Michigan State, I was a resident advisor okay. in the dorms uh, for two years. Two years. I had to remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got a lot of, of counseling training in that realm. Oh, wow. That's actually uh, awesome. It was because we were our residents' first point of contact. For any they, issues, yeah. Right. Emotional uh, scholastic, like yeah. whatever, whether we were sickness, <laughs> whether we were redirecting them to another resource or we were just listening yeah. and trying to help. So, um, I have big ears. <laughs> not, not, not actually when not you look actually. at her, she's very proportional, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm, I'm one that really likes to listen mm -hmm. and, uh, hear and then see what's actually going on beyond the surface. No, I love that. And I, I think that's so important what you said to taking implicit bias out of cases. And I know people say that's not always 100% possible because you always have some tinge of, you know, bias. But I think, as you said, the most successful judges are the ones who can put those away, put the lid on it, put it in a box and not bring it to court. Do you see at all or have you seen in certain cases that, you know, you've either participated in as a lawyer where implicit bias on the part of the judge has come into play oh in my cases. yes yeah there's one that screams uh it's still it happened when i was a young lawyer probably oh my gosh 25 years ago and it still makes me mad are you able to talk about it at all yes in generalities <laughs> okay I won't, I won't name the judge okay. Who's no longer on the bench? Oh, okay. Well, uh, but I still won't no, name that person. Um, <laughs> um, but I had a case um, where I had a motion for summary judgment, which means that if that the judge could decide the case based on that motion, it wouldn't need to go to trial. The law, the facts were were clear. The law was clear, at least from our perspective, okay. and the judge could make a decision, and that would have ended the case. Okay. Um, I had a very strong case. The law was clearly on my yeah. side. The facts were clearly on my side. And this judge did not like my version, my kind of client. Uh, and it was very apparent. And yeah. um, and she denied the motion. Oh. And I was beyond livid. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's nothing, there was, uh, there was no amount of argument. I tried, I asked, even asked her about how, how that could be possible, how she yeah. could be unclear about anything. Yeah. Uh, what and kind of response did you get? Just nothing? Just I just got signals. shut down. And and that's when I knew that it wasn't a substantive objection. It yeah. wasn't a substantive problem. It was, it was um, a judge that had already decided before I walked in, yeah. probably before she read the motion. For sure. So, you know, that stung in a huge way. And I'll never forget leaving the courtroom um, and thinking, I want to be a judge more now than ever, because I don't ever want this to happen to anybody else. And of course, I'm sure it did, and it's yeah. happened to lots of my colleagues over the course of time. But um, I think most of the judges on the Superior Court, if not all, I don't have any other examples, yeah. but um, you know, do their very best, and and that's what I hope to do, my very best. And the thing is, is that the the problem with implicit bias is really if you don't recognize you have it. 100%. If you recognize it, 
then you can guard against it. Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. I mean, it's impossible to completely, you know, eliminate it from your existence because we all are a product of our experience. Oh, an environment and everything. And I mean, for example, I spoke about it before. I was a very, very strong Republican until the age of about 18, 19, but it was purely just because of how I was raised and, you know, in my household, what you hear your parents say, especially if you come from a household where you're very close with your parents, you know, you kind of, you trust them with, you know, oh, they have this opinion, they must be right, you know, because they're your heroes. Absolutely. So it's, uh, I I completely understand. And I think it's a shame, obviously, that judges can allow that implicit bias to to cause decisions like that. And, you know, just so not okay. But, and one thing we talked about too with uh, your opponent, who we'll get into in a moment, but uh, in terms of, um, pretty much just judges wanting people to kiss the ring, in a sense, and just the ego that can happen when some yeah. judges have, you know, been on the bench for I, maybe not even that many years, but a certain number of years, you have this just ego, and there's a lot of, and I personally have, have been to court before, um, not, not for anything serious, just a business matter, but uh, the judge was so great, so impartial, but, but there's so much, pardon my language, kissing in a sense you know your honor it's almost like your highness in a sense so how and I know CJ spoke about this and he was like well you know what it's not going to be a ton of that and that whole show I'm not going to require people to come in and sort of like bow to me and stuff like that but I mean have you seen that before that sort of oh sure with judges and how how do you recommend people not develop it do you think it's possible to not develop that absolutely absolutely you know I I think it just depends on the kind of person that you are as a judge Mm -hmm. I mean I if you anybody you talk to who knows me would tell you I'm a people person. Yeah. It's I like connecting with people. I like talking with people. It's been one of the funnest parts of this campaign. There are other parts I'm not big real fond of, yeah. but <laughs> but actually meeting people from all over the county and hearing different perspectives on issues that I never c- considered before yeah. um, <clears throat> has been a great joy. So if you value people and you then for me, my courtroom will be a respectful one in both directions. Um, I, I guess, you know, I'm physically elevated, which is probably good because I'm kind of small. <laughs> I guess yeah. she's a small person. I may need a boost. <laughs> but, um, so, but otherwise, um, I have no... And, and decorum matters. It's just... A, but to me, it's about respect. It's not about uh, kissing the ring for sure. Um, I've never actually personally needed other people to stroke my ego for me to feel good about me. You know, I, I try well, to... If you're a well-balanced my... adult, you shouldn't, you right. know? <laughs> I mean, and, and honestly, I think it starts there. It's like, you know, what, what do you as a human being need? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I was raised in a really um, healthy environment, and yeah. um, I was raised to try to make the world a better place every day. And um, that's what I want to do in this job. I, I just, I understand that it's uh, dispute resolution, mm-hmm. but- Oh, you're a mediator in a yes. sense, you know? I'm getting paid much less than a lot of the mediators as well. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. But, but I mean, honestly, I mean, sometimes, you know, people, one side's usually gonna be unhappy and the yeah. other side's happy, and that's the way that goes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've spent the last big chunk of time with people that are unhappy with me if I have to communicate bad news. Yeah. And um, I do that a lot in my work. So so I understand how to do that, but how to do that respectfully. Yeah. And I just don't feel the need 
um, to be heavy handed unless that's what people need to hear in order to be appropriately respectful. No, I, I appreciate that sort of uh, take on all of that. And, and I know we spoke about this, um, you know, with your opponent as well a little bit, uh, just about having the courage to be disliked oh, in yeah. this job. And it seems like, you know, the best, you know, lawyers like yourself, obviously you don't care if someone's unhappy with your ruling. You care about doing the right thing and being fair and impartial. Clearly. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that should be, you know, how it is, but there are definitely people who feel, especially if they've had people can't, you know, contribute to their campaign, for example, or you're looking at, you know, people along the lines of Mara Elliott and how she's dealt with certain issues in San Diego. And there's a whole thing there that we, we got into in the, in the last podcast. But I just, uh, yeah, having the courage to do what you know is right rather than what somebody else might be trying to influence you to do is obviously such a huge part of this position. Well, I mean, absolutely. That That is the heart of impartiality, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's only two things. When people talk about, you know, what do you want in a judge, mm -hmm. right? They, they want us to be impartial and fair. Yeah. Well, impartials, you, you can't be fair if you're not impartial. No, 100%. And so. I know you, you spoke to the Union Tribune um, <laughs> a little bit. I, you know, they did profiles on a lot of the candidates, or I think all yes. of the candidates running for the most part. But one thing I know that they asked you is, what would you do differently in terms of what's being done in San Diego right now, in terms of you know being a judge? And I know your opponent had talked about being harder on crime and all that kind of stuff, but you had a different view. Not that you were not hard on crime, but... Sometimes that's not always the right approach. So can you talk about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, my, my take on that is is I, I want us to be smart on crime, not necessarily tough on crime. Mm -hmm. And and as I uh, think about it, there are times when being tough on crime is the smart thing to do. So my answer doesn't mean that I'm soft yeah, on no, crime. Yeah, no, by any means. But not every crime deserves... Um, a jail sentence. Sometimes, in order to, if especially for um, certain nonviolent crimes, um, where perhaps there's not a long history mm -hmm. of offense, um, they need something different, like the collaborative courts that we have here in San Diego that are extraordinary in terms of um, the role San Diego is playing in pioneering these kinds of courts. So, um, for the public's benefit, um, a collaborative court involves a judge a district attorney, um, a criminal defense counsel, and some other fourth person, be okay. it social work, uh, mental health uh, professional, uh, mentor, um, to collaborate together to fashion a plan for that human being to execute with support, um, with measurables, in order to avoid being back in court in a week Six or months a month. later, yeah. or, or two or weeks how later, how long it takes to get a court date? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, there are several different kinds of collaborative courts in San Diego County. Uh, there's a veterans court. There's a homelessness court. There's a behavioral health court. Oh, there's a drug that. court. I mean, there's there are different um, there are different avenues for certain a certain category of defendant to participate in. And really, what I would like, um, ideally is to expand uh, the resources of collaborative courts yeah. to the extent that's possible. And I'm not in charge of the purse strings for sure. <laughs> um, but I think that they're doing such incredible work that, um, and, and it's more the bulk of crime that we're actually um, confronted with as a county. 
No, for sure. And I, are, is the collaborative, and I'm not super familiar with this, but are collaborative courts unique to San Diego in a sense, or are other places instituting them as a, because I don't think San Francisco is at the moment, after learning a little bit more about how they deal with quality of life infractions and taking them to traffic court of some kind, obviously, you know, can it's, you speak to that? It's my understanding, and and know that I haven't worked in this area, no, but I sure. but I have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding that um, San Diego was a bit of a trial run yeah. on these courts, and that um, the the measurables on it have been good, and so I believe that the the idea of collaborative courts are spreading. Um, I thought I read something not too long ago about New York City. Oh, you um, think that would right? be one of the first places they would want to try right. this. So I could be wrong, and please don't, you no, know. No, well, won't hold you to it. But, um, but I do think that, but I know that San Diego's program was a bit of a pilot. And yeah. um, from everything I can see and have heard along the way, it's been successful. No, I love that. And I think that's such a good idea, it's right? It's a great I mean, idea. Specialty courts are so needed because it's not one size fits all. It's like health, you know? Uh, like absolutely. Everybody needs something unique to them. Everything's bio-individual. And recidivism, not only is it bad for the individual, yeah. but it's expensive. Right? <laughs> so expensive. I mean, how much does it cost, I remember reading, to incarcerate somebody for a day? It's insane. You could put him up at a Ritz Carlton. I remember talking to Joe yeah. Leventhal about this. Um, and he was saying, I think it's something like $400, $500 a day to imprison someone. And he's like, you can go stay downtown at the Grant, maybe, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's it's mind-blowing. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about as well was, uh, you know, these races can get so contentious, and politics can be so contentious. And I know, personally, you know, CJ Modi, your opponent, has spoken very highly of you. You guys are very um, cordial and polite with each other. And, I mean, that's such a refreshing thing to see because – I mean, if you look at some of the campaign stuff going on currently between Carl DeMaio and Daryl Issa and um, the attack ads and all of this kind of stuff and some of the things that people are talking about with regards to the presidential candidates. I mean, Mayor Pete and, and Ty, what do they call him? Mini Mike Bloomberg. Just some of the rhetoric in politics is so nasty. Why do you think, you know, you're able to keep it cordial with your opponent and why do you think it's important? I always keep it cordial. Unless somebody's not cordial back, yeah. I mean that's just my personality. I don't, I don't feel like just because we're competing means we need to be enemies or even um, aggressive yeah, or inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean I played sports all my life. I think it actually, I think that's part of the reason is that you yeah. know just because you're competing with someone for something doesn't mean you can't appreciate them as a as a human being, CJ's a nice guy. Yeah. I've enjoyed talking with him. Um, we just have very different um, experience, um, different perspective on how things should be. We come from kind of different ideologies. Different sides of the law. Absolutely. Not in terms of right or wrong, in terms no. of civil or criminal. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, you know, we, we view the world differently. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. Yeah. There's room for that's both of us. But um, I just think that in in this race and for this seat, and particularly with um, this bench, I think that they need a diversity of experience and perspective on it. And and I bring that. No, definitely you do. And I mean, I wanted to ask you just some questions about yourself. Like, what do you do in your spare time for fun when you're not oh doing this? Oh my goodness. Well, um, so I have two rescue dogs. Oh, talk about them. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and we go to the park, we go to the beach, so um, they get uh, two walks a day, uh, significant walk, walks <laughs> a day, so um, they take up some of my time. But 
Um, I also um, teach fitness. Um, I, uh, I'm active in my religious community. Um, I have done a bunch of volunteer work as well and um, kind of focused in different areas. Yeah. Um, and it's been over the course of time. I've been really, have really enjoyed reconnecting with the Lawyers Club of oh, San Diego. Awesome. Um, they're a tremendous organization and they do a really great job of outreach um, in the community. On Halloween, I went to Central Elementary School and read to the children. Uh, I was dressed up as a fitness instructor. <laughs> I love it, like it's an 80s of fitness instructor. <laughs> so I did a lot of good. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was fun. And so um, I'm really enjoying uh, the community and um, my extracurricular stuff uh, generally is between health and music. I love kind of it tied up in those things. No, I love it. And I feel like too, um, I mean, just getting out there into the community and volunteering in whatever capacity gives you that perspective to see how important positions like this, this position you're running for is to the community. I know, you know, um, your opponent had talked about when he was on here, seeing, you know, how judges impact the lives of children in need in the community of San Diego is, was a big eye opener. And so, um, how do you view the role as you know, San Diego Superior Court Judge, seat eighteen. Like, how how do you view that? As can you tell people a little bit about what are you in charge of? You know, what do you help to to do? A judge administers justice. That's their job, and they have to administer justice consistent with the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California. I mean, that's the big answer. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah. Administering <laughs> justice. That means doing what's right every day following the law, doing what's right. And doing what's right isn't always simple. It's not always as straightforward as just, oh yeah, all I have to do is find the right statute and then I have to plug in the facts and oh, there's the answer. I mean, sometimes maybe, yeah. but, not, but not always. Sometimes it's more complicated mm -hmm. than that. And, I, and, and so I think it's part of what's important about people making a decision about who to vote for for a judge is to know how they look at how they're going to exercise their discretion because their discretion means what do they think the right thing is yeah ethics they, obviously plays such a huge ethics role. is yeah. a huge it's huge yeah and 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 perspective yeah. you know are you know do you understand the issues that confront this county that one of the things that i have been really blessed by in this campaign is really I've been from corner to corner of the county because it's a countywide election. Yeah, I have been to Fallbrook and South Bay and just and East County co and Coastal. Yeah, right. And talked with a lot of people from different communities about what their concerns are, what are their frustrations, what are they happy about. It's I'm not a legislator mm -hmm. on the bench. But, you know, it informs decisions to have an understanding of what people are experiencing. Yeah. And, and I like to know those things because I think that we, we come from a bubble, every one of us. Yeah. We're in our own bubble, and we may extend out of the bubble a bit, right? Yeah. This experience running as a candidate for this position has – I don't have no bubble anymore. Yeah, bubble's been burst. It's gone. <laughs> it's been gone for months. And, and I'm grateful for that because yeah. I had no idea how much good work and incredible um, activism and the people behind it 
that are there to lift other people up and try to make this place a better place to be, I had no idea of the scope of that. And I'm so encouraged by San Diego County and the people in it that um, I feel like I wanna make a bigger difference from the bench to try to do the right thing by every single member of the community um, as the law allows. I love that. And I was gonna ask too, I, obviously you've been to all of these different areas of San Diego and you've heard people's concerns. Were there any kind of common themes that you ran across that people were concerned of? Or do you feel like there's any sort of areas where one problem seems to be more of an issue in another county? Does it all kind of differ? It's, um, you know, in certain, in certain areas, um, I feel like um, communities of color yeah. are having a very ongoing, challenging time with diverse treatment. And, and honestly, I, growing up in metropolitan Detroit, every time I'm at one of those events and I hear more about the kinds of injustice mm -hmm. that they face, uh, on a fairly regular basis, it's a very emotional for me because I, I heard that stuff in the seventies yeah. and the sixties, and it's twenty twenty. Yeah. What? So it's been very eye opening for me, and in some of it in a good way, and some of it in a in a disappointing way, for sure. So and and others, you know, people talk about not being able to afford to live here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right? which is not which, broadcasting again. from my two-bedroom apartment in La Jolla that I kind of had to purchase because it was the only place that uh, would allow me to live with my two pit bulls at the time. Um, so yeah, but I was lucky enough, obviously, to be able to afford to live here. Not right. everybody can. I mean, right. the idea of having kids here, I, I don't even know, you know, how that that's even going to be possible. <laughs> I right, and you know, I I get that I'm not a legislator, and it's not my job to solve that problem yeah. from the bench, but. It is, it is my responsibility to be aware of what, what's on people's mind. Yeah. I think it's important. I think, I think that we can't separate ourselves from the community mm -hmm. so much that we're out of touch. Oh, I love that. You can't be disconnected from the very people that you're going to be serving you know, justice for and rulings to and all that kind of stuff. I think that's so important. I know in your position, um, speaking with your opponent, we got into this a little bit more, you can't necessarily go out and advocate. Right. For, so that's kind right. of tough. Why do you think that is? I know he spoke about um, you know, the reason why in terms of you can't, uh, you can't let it influence then decisions that you might have to make in certain cases. Yes. But do you think that's a good idea? Do you feel like you're a little bit restricted in terms of not being able to advocate? Like, are you still going to be able to volunteer if you like? How, how does that kind of work? So the thing about um, the position is, is you never want to put yourself in a position where you can't be impartial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, because it's fundamental of that course. you need to do that. So, so I understand the ethical canons um, on the on that, you know, um, and and I think it's valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of volunteering, judges do a lot of volunteering. Yeah. They they um, cannot publicly endorse a candidate yes. other than a judicial candidate, um, but they can be politically or not politically, but community Active. activists. Okay. Um, there were judges at the Central Elementary School uh, read-in, right? I love so that. I mean, they're they definitely volunteer their time. I think it's more uh, in an educational kind yeah. of way as opposed to a political way. No, I 100%. And I mean, I, I feel like. With this position, you obviously, like you said, can't go out and legislate, but you can can listen to people and keep in mind that there are issues that are 
affecting the majority of San Diegans, like the rising cost of housing. And I mean, people are literally moving from here. There's a funny thing I read about how Iowa was saying, we don't want any more people from California moving here. Stay where you are, you hippies. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I mean, people are leaving left and right because I mean, they can't afford to live here. You can't afford to have kids. And I mean, I I know a lot of people can. Maybe this I'm just speaking for myself right now. But when I hear about my parents moving here in the 90s, how much they, they paid for a house and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's obviously inflation and everything, but it's mind-blowing now what people are being expected expected to do coming right out of college, and you can't afford to live here. No wonder people in my building have four or five roommates in a two-bedroom apartment, you right. know? I mean, understanding what, what troubles people um, helps, helps give you insight yeah. into what they bring when they walk into your courtroom, and so that's, that's really, um, that's where the insight, I think, is valuable. For sure, and I know obviously this is a nonpartisan position. Right. You're not, but people obviously can look up to see which way you yes. lean. And I know you can't speak to certain issues, you know, regarding Democrats or Republicans. But right. obviously, I think this is a unique position in the sense that it is nonpartisan. Yes. So you are addressing all of San Diego, both Democrats, Republicans, you know, people that are in the center, people that are independents or yes. declined to state. So you're you're trying to appeal to all of these people. So. Yes. How do you feel like you're in a unique position to not be divisive with like for, for campaigning and everything like that? How have you managed that? Because obviously I'm sure you've met people on both sides of the spectrum politically. How, how do you kind of approach that? There are people who are volunteering um, for my campaign on in both parties, right? So uh, because, because the people that are volunteering that are of a different political affiliation, they know me. Yeah. They know that I do what's right. Nobody walks into a courtroom with a uh, with a political sign on yeah. them that tells that identifies them with one party or another. It doesn't make any difference in the courtroom. It really, it simply just shouldn't. Which I love. It kind of just eliminates that, and it makes us all kind of neutral in a sense. But I, but I've heard from people that they are um, almost poisoned by what's been happening at the federal level yeah. in terms of it being politicized, and so. Um, just understand that we're here in the state of California. This is not a federal position. How does it differ? So, um, first of all, in uh, federal court, all the judges are appointed, and they're appointed by the president of the United States. So um, this is clearly not a federal position (laughs) as I'm running for election. Um, and, And so different cases, you know, there are state courts and federal courts in the county, um, and this is a state court position, so it's a trial court position. Mm-hmm. It's if you're called to jury duty, you're like, you could be called to the federal yeah. courts, but more likely you're going to be called to the county by the county to a superior court. Um, so you may be sitting in my courtroom. Well, that'd be fun. With <laughs> fingers crossed. I hope. I hope. Yes. 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 Right. But no, I mean, and I think too, one thing that I I wanted to ask, and we kind of ask everybody who comes on the show this. How do we bridge this political divide? I know you and I spoke about it a little bit before we, we started, and I, I think something you said was so poignant. Um, you know, how many people that you have a preconceived notion or bias about that you end up meeting, do you still feel like, you know, they're a bad person or they're not, you know, a, a good a good person? And, and like I said, I've, I fully admitted that some, some people we've had on the show who I've done research on before, um, whose values I feel like didn't align with my own, when I met them, I was my mind was completely changed. I felt completely different by the end of the interview and I've made some really nice friends from people who have been on this show and yeah. I think a lot of people have that that bias of okay, well they're they're a liberal or they're a 
conservative, so they're going to be this way and this way. How do you recommend we just kind of bridge that divide and start talking to each other as humans? So, I know a couple it's a huge years question. ago, <laughs> no, it, actually, it's it's a huge question, but it's not that it's not that hard. It just takes discipline. Yeah. And this and what I have adopted a couple of years back in particular um, was I made a choice to try to turn that judgment, that quick judgments we make into curiosity instead. I love that. So instead of saying, oh, just think about the checker in your grocery store. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're kind of saucy. Yeah. For, for lack of a better <laughs> word. And instead of saying, man, what a jerk. Yeah. Maybe you should say, I wonder if they're having a bad day, right? Yeah. It feels different. It's kinder. And it feels different to you, too. Like, all of a sudden, you're not mad. You're more like, gosh, I hope they're okay. It's just, uh, but you have to try to do that. It's, yeah. You have I to try to turn the, the, you have to try to turn that, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to vote for you because you're X. Yeah. I actually had that happen to me. I sat really? down to talk. I was I was at um, a holiday party, and I approached um, four people who were seated, and I introduced myself, told them what I was doing. Immediately, um, I was asked what my political party affiliation yeah. was. I told them it was a nonpartisan race. Um, that wasn't good enough. No. <laughs> I shared my political party affiliation, and he immediately said, well, I'm not voting for you. And I said, because I had nothing to yeah. lose, <laughs> I said, why not? And he shared his, it was, you yeah. know, a couple sentences. And I said, well, now wait a minute. I, I don't, I respect your beliefs. Mm -hmm. I have different ones, but I respect, I respect your feelings about this. But in the courtroom, I don't know what you are. I don't know your, your personal feelings yeah. one direction or another. This is about whether I can be impartial or fair yeah. to you. And I said, I'm, a, I'm here talking to you about yeah. this. And I kind of, great. And, and we talked for a little bit more. And then he asked for my business card. And I said, well, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to give it to you. Are you just going to give it, to show it to your friends and tell them not to vote for yeah. me? And he said, no, actually, I'm going to consider it. And I said, well, absolutely, here's yeah. my card. <laughs> but I mean, the point was, is that I took the time yeah. to ask some questions, right? I like, why won't you vote for me, even yeah. though we're of different party Getting affiliations, curious. right? So instead of just going, wow, that guy's a jerk, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, we do it all the time. So we easy. have to stop. We have to stop doing that. We have to stop um, being too quick to judge um, because it not only does it hurt our relationships, but it actually hurts us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it just there's like a cloud of negativity around it. And... Um, that's what I, I mean, that's my intention uh, on the bench is to just that. continue doing what I do, which is, I have to judge. I mean, that would be my job, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, but I sure would like to ask some questions before I'm too quick to judge. Yeah. Right. No, I love that. And I mean, oh, I love that you're saying that about, um, and, and if you can see her right now, Roberta has a very positive vibe about her, which I love. And I know that sounds like hippie nonsense, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. But I, I think what you, you really touched on that was so important is you have to want to do that. Yes. 
You have to put in that effort because it's so easy to be reactive. And I have seen this a lot and I know I can give my political affiliation because I'm not running for anything. But when I've attended a lot of these Republican events and I'm not saying the Democrats don't do it because that last, uh, that last debate was a bloodbath, but I think it's so easy to just have these preconceived bias you know, it, this preconceived bias inside of you, and if you don't hear something that you like or it doesn't agree with, you know, your internal beliefs, it literally, they've done studies, makes you angry yes. and uncomfortable. Yes. And I think that's so fascinating because I get it. I felt that internal rage, so to speak, when you're, you know, seeing someone share something on Facebook that you vehemently disagree with, and it's so easy. And I, one thing I try to tell myself I'm much better today is nothing was ever changed in the comment section of a Facebook argument. Um, that's but, for sure. But in person, yes. that's when you take the time to make a difference. And I yes. mentioned I went to the Republican event with my dad dressed up. And some of the comments I got, the minute anybody found out I was a Democrat, it was just, oh, gosh, no. And one thing I've learned doing this podcast, interviewing both Republicans and Democrats, is, and I just believe this on a personal level, you vote for a person, not a party. I think these people, this party loyalty yelling, vote red, vote blue across the board, regardless of what this person believes in or has done or has the experience in is just wrong. Personally, I think you vote for a person. I mean, what do you think? The divisiveness is um, destructive. Um, the, I mean, we are where we are. Yeah. And um, I'm not um, in a position to weigh in on, yeah. on all of those no, of reasons or feelings yeah. about it. But, um, but what I can say is that uh, it's not helping anybody. Um, and I do know that, um, that I do hope that the climate that we're living in, um, culturally and, and politically, not culturally so much, more really politically, um, shifts back to where there, there can be some common ground. Um, and, and I, I yearn for that. I'm really (laughs) glad I'm not legislator though. Um, these days it's, um, being impartial and fair is right up my alley. Yeah. No, I love it. No, I mean, thank you so much for, for saying that. And I think that's so important. And I mean, I think if people can't have discussions with people that they disagree with, then we're kind of screwed. Pardon my language as a country. Um, in that sense. And that's kind of why we started the podcast because my dad and I did have very, uh, heated arguments for a long time. And we both just said, you know what? I'm sick of hanging up on you. I'm sick of getting mad and then not talking to you for, it's never that long. It's usually like an hour because neither one of us can really stay mad, but it's just nasty. And I think just asking people, oh, just avoid it. If we all avoided things that were uncomfortable because we didn't know how to deal with them, nothing would ever get done. And I think, and I'm a bit of a, you know, I, I teach yoga or I taught yoga for a, for a while and I'm a bit of a, a hippie, so to speak. But I think that there's a lot of inner wounds that people deal with, so to speak, that really shape their view about how they approach other people with opposing views. And if you don't deal with the stuff going on inside of yourself before reacting to how somebody else has, you know, treated you or something they've said, like you said with the grocery store clerk, if you can take that minute and take that that opportunity to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not the problem. The way somebody reacts towards me has nothing to do with me and right. everything to do with their It's not always state. about us. Right? A hundred percent. And as a, one as a millennial, I know as everybody says, you know, that's something yeah. important to learn. But one thing I said, I know we're, you know, running out of time here, but one thing I wanted to, to touch on too, and I know obviously people who are the Gen Z generation now under, I think 24 is probably where, I, I know I was on the cusp of being an old Gen Z and like a young millennial, I want to say, but... I feel great hope for the future with the generation that's coming up now. 
Um, I, I think all of these, and I, obviously I don't know how clued in you are because I don't think you have tweens anymore in your house or anything like that. But uh, I, I stay active on these internet forums in which people talk about all these sorts of things because I, uh, you know, apparently get bored pretty easily. But um, all of these terms that people use these days, there's a term called visco girl which I don't know if you've heard of. Um, so Visco Girl, it's like this, <laughs> I sound, wow, I'm really dating myself here. But um, it's kind of like when you heard the, the word like emo kid yes, back in the day. It's I like remember. a new version of that, but it's it's very different. It's, uh, it's a trend for girls who have hydroflasks, the reusable water bottles right. with stickers on them. They wear puka shell necklaces. <laughs> they wear Save the Turtles or like some sort of cause t-shirts. They're into recycling and they want everyone to just get along. And I think that that is such a, cool thing that that's a stereotype trend now for the younger the younger generation like that's amazing i love it sounds like colorado right 100 percent boulder all the way oh my gosh. awesome <laughs> but i mean do you what do you think do you think that if we can get this younger generation to just learn how to say enough we're not going to participate in this divisive political nonsense like we're going to do what's right. I mean, we have people like Greta Thunberg, where my dad and I have talked extensively about this. We have people like Malala. Like, do you have hope for the future with the youth that's coming? I, I do. I, I have a 20-year-old. Well, awesome. he'll be 20 in, in April. Okay. Uh, he, he goes to school in Colorado, so that's why UC I just, Boulder? Uh, CSU. Colorado oh, okay, State, okay. That was their rival. No, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I do. I mean, he's very politically engaged, um, but... And, and actually is uh, a political science and business. Those oh, awesome. are his majors, right? So it, I am encouraged. Um, I think they have um, some clarity, um, uh, the right dose of ideology mm-hmm. um, or um, idealism is really what I meant. Yeah. Um, it's not always a bad thing, though. People but it's not. People oh, you're idealistic. Like, why is that wrong? It's not wrong. It's vision. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I think in order to get where you want to go, you have first you have to start with vision. Yeah. Um, and and the young people are the ones typically that that have the vision. Um, they don't necessarily know how to accomplish that, um, but that's where it starts. Yeah, I mean, so, they'll get there. Most I, people don't do anything major until they're what 25, 30, right. 40. You know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I but I do know that um, I expect great things from uh, my son. Jordan and and his peers. I love They're that. all doing incredible things. No, I think it's beautiful. And I think when you travel around the US, um, you could take road trips or fly or whatever, you know, you get a good insight into how other people are being shaped and how opinions are being formed. I know personally when I did a road trip from San Diego to Minnesota, you just see the way political messaging is in other states and the way in which certain issues are spun and approached. And I always talk about this uh, this with my dad, but I think it's so important to expose yourself to all kinds of people with all oh, different man. opinions yep. and read all types of political news. Yes. And as much as it disagrees with you and your you know implicit bias, I think it's important to know how other issues are being spun because then yes. you can kind of as much as you possibly can, break it down into being like, okay, what's just true? Like, what what are the facts here? And if we just remove all of this, you know, chatter surrounding it, how do we just actually solve the problem? And I feel like nobody's actually talking to each other anymore on the political spectrum. We're just screaming and nothing's getting done. 
Well, you know, we're screaming because we're not listening. Yeah, 100%. No, like what you said, listening is everything. And yeah. so you bring it But it that, takes two. It, oh, 100%. That's the challenge. Yeah. Because you, you, you can only dictate your own behavior. 100%. If and someone else isn't tough. willing to listen, yeah. then it's kind of a hard, hard go. And in those cases, and I can personally say this, walk away. It's not worth you trying to just bang your head against a wall trying to get them to change how they take an approach to certain yeah. things. Because you're not, you, you, have, you can't be responsible for how anybody else approaches things or how they act or anything. You know, personal responsibility matters but thank you so much for coming on today it's I mean been a I think pleasure. You, you answered everything I'm you know I'm sorry my dad couldn't be here I, I like too. having both perspectives on things but uh, I know he's actually spoken very highly of you and I know um, in the legal community a lot there's a lot of people who get kind of reputations about being a certain way and I know neither you or CJ really really has that necessarily and I think that that's a really great thing you know to be yeah. spoken highly of as a lawyer because not everyone is. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, honestly, just before we finish, one of the best, one of the most exciting things that has happened for me in this campaign is what the Bar Association, the San Diego County Bar Association rates us. And, and the rating that I got just, I literally um, teared up. Aww. Because what it was, I mean, they, they uh, rated me exceptionally qualified yes. to serve no, as a I judge, right? And so... It's such affirmation mm -hmm. from your peers yeah. that that you you know you would be good at this job, mm -hmm. right? And we believe it. exceptionally good. Yeah, exceptionally, which, is which is an amazing word. Amazing, um, and and that has been um, really super satisfying to me and helpful for the public to know. You oh, know, yeah, if they want to figure out you know who's who's what because they they can't they don't dig into us no they don't even have knows. the ability to <laughs> yeah the same way the bar association does no 100 percent. and i know personally when i was trying to prep for you know this interview with uh, yourself and also your opponent there really there wasn't a ton of press coverage in terms of right. asking you there were literally two questions from the union trib and you know your website and right. all of that kind of stuff but there wasn't a lot else and i think that's a shame because this is such an important position so i urge people who are in san diego listening and most of our listeners are actually in san diego to go and take the time to listen to both of these interviews i, I hope they give you more of a perspective on the two people running for this particular position i think they're both highly qualified they're both wonderful people and they've shown that in their ability to actually speak well of each other and be cordial and respectful but um, pretty much if you can give your elevator pitch, so to speak, and then tell people where they can find you, website, anything like that, um, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Well, my name is Roberta Winston. I'm running for Superior Court seat 18. I've got 33 years of legal experience in San Diego County in a myriad of different areas of the law. So I bring um, a diversity of practice um, and experience to the bench. Um, my uh, heart is in the right place. I've wanted to do this for a very long time, but um, when I first had the opportunity, my children were young and my um, practice was flexible. I wasn't willing to give that up, but this opportunity um, really has allowed me to um, give this, uh, which has been a lifelong um, opportunity or dream for me mm -hmm. since, since after law school, um, a real run. And um, I believe that I bring experience and perspective that would be welcome on the Superior Court bench. Um, my peers think I'm qualified, exceptionally so, and I'm grateful for that and for this opportunity to address the public and to speak with you, Harriet. Aw, thank you so thank much. You. And what's your website? Where can people find you? VoteRobertaWinston.com. Perfect. I thank love it. You. And if people go and look you up on social media, can they see photos of your dogs? Thank you. 
They can. Okay. Actually, they're on my website. Perfect. That's Charlie awesome. and Lola. <laughs> very cute. Also, had a dog named Toby, which is my dog's yeah. name. It's a very great decision for a dog. But thank you so much. It was so great having you here. And best of luck in the upcoming primary. It's coming thank up you. so soon. You're I almost know. there. Yes, ma'am. Oh, Thanks my gosh. so much. Of course.